And uh, we'll start with uh, Genesis chapter 1, 26. And if you are using the Pew Bible, it's page 1. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, to chapter 2, verse 2. Then God said, let us make man our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that move on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heaven, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he has made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Chapter 2. Thus the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. And he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 7 to 9 and verse 15. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground that the Lord has made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then lastly, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to walk it and keep it. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. For many of us, um, Monday might not necessarily be our day that we look forward to. You know, we had to go back to that old grind in the office where there might be bureaucracy, unfair treatment, a lot of gossiping. There might be incompetent co-workers who only care about their own personal advancement. The supervisor might be critical and moody. And worst of all, work is boring and the morale is low. The days go by so slowly. All we're looking for is Friday. So that we might be able to enjoy the weekend. Can you identify with some of that description? 
is work more than just a paycheck? How can we look forward to work? And how is faith and work connected together? Well, whether we realize it or not, God has designed work to be a major purpose of our lives. There is great value in work. But before we elaborate into all of that, I had to take a step back and look again at God's creation. I want to point out three things that God did. First, that God created man. And after he created the universe, God created man as the crown jewel of his creation. He's, we see that God's working hard as a worker. Not only did God work, but we see the second point that God rested. I was spent... Um, most of the, the message on the third point where God gave man purpose. And one of those purposes is that he's given man work. Okay, let's take a look at that first point, that God created man as we read the first part of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We've been talking about the image of God during the last couple of weeks. And we've seen how God value us because we are made in the image of God. There are many implications here because uh, we are created in his image. It affects how we view race as well as the abortion issue. Just like God value all people, regardless of their race, we are to value all people also, including those that are in the womb as well as those that are outside of the womb. It does not matter if one has special needs or not. We all we are to value all of them because we are created in God's image. Now, unlike the angels or the animals, humans have a very special relationship with God. He has given us an inner spiritual nature where we are able to know him and worship him. Now, not only did God create man in his image, but as we look in chapter 2 of Genesis, it gives us more detailed explaining about God's creation of man. Let us take a look at Genesis chapter 2, specifically verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of, of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. To God, here in verse 7, very interestingly, 
that that uh, uh, up to this point, God is called God, which is Elohim, which is uh, God, the Almighty God. He is the Creator, and we can understand that uh, from chapter one. But here we see in chapter two, verse seven. Uh, he's called Lord God. That, that speaks of Yahweh, which is the personal, proper name of God, which focuses on his relationship with man. Now, the word form here describes the work as an artist. It's like, like, a, like a potter shaping the vessel from clay with, with great care and with great precision. God formed man from the dust of the ground. Now, the name Adam means taken out of the ground. We see all that's connected together here uh, to, to the Lord forming man from the dust of the ground. In addition, to, we'll find later on to, when we look at verse 15 that God put Adam in the garden of Eden to the care of the ground. Now, as we look at the second part of verse 7, it says that God breathed into his nostril the breath of life. God, who is the source of life, provided man life. The man become a living creature, which literally means a living soul and, and becomes a, a spiritual being with the capacity to serve and fellowship and worship God. See, animals do not have that capacity to serve and fellowship and worship God. So we see here the first thing that God did was that he created man. Secondly, God rested. Now let's take a look in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. It says, Thus the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he has done, and he rested. And on the seventh day, from all his work that he has done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because of it. God rested from all his work that he has done in creation. Now, this word finish occurred twice in this couple of verses to emphasize, to make an emphasis of this point that God finished his work. Creation is completed. God has created everything necessary to maintain life on earth. And after God's finished creating the heaven and the earth, he rested from all his work that he has done. Note that this is also repeated twice for emphasis, talking about he rested. Well, why did God rest? Surely, God was not fatigued. We know in Isaiah 40, verse 28, it says that God does not get worried. And God is also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And with infinite authority, he does not need to take a breather. Now here, this word rest literally means to cease 
from working. And, and, and this word work means to, uh, a, a specific task. Yes, he has rested from the specific task of creating the heaven and the earth. Now, on the seventh day, God rested as he stood back and he enjoyed the creative work that he has done. And God uh, has a great sense of satisfaction in the accomplishment that has taken place. God was very pleased with his work. You know, I take great pride in mowing and edging my lawn. And whenever I'm, I'm, I'm done and finished with it, I, I go back out and I, I, I kind of step out into the sidewalk and I kind of take a look and go, yeah, that, that's, that's, that looks really good. And I just sit there and look at it and just admire my good work. Yes, you know, I rest it so I finish mowing and edging. Now, although... God has ceased it, his creation activity. He is still working. We know that in John chapter 5, verse 17, it says, But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. See, God might have ceased from creating, but he works to sustain the world. God's the one that is holding the world together. Now we'll cover the first two things that God did. That God created man and that God rested. And the third thing is that God gave man purpose. Here I'm going to spend the book of our time together explaining that God, that work is one of the major purposes of man. Now, as you recall from last week, Minister Stanley reminded us that the bigger mission that we have in life, that is to build God's kingdom on earth. It's a big picture of what we're doing here. Stanley identified two ways how we go about doing this, that we are to, we are created to be fruitful and to multiply, and secondly, to rule and to subdue the land. Now, today we're going to see the third purpose why God created us. And He created us to work. Let us take a look in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, to get some background to this. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of God, the knowledge of good and evil. Now, after God has created man, he provided Adam a home where he will live. Now, this place is called the Garden of Eden. 
Now, the word garden uh, means a place that is enclosed, a protected shelter. And, and the word uh, Eden means a place of delight, pleasure. Eden literally means paradise. See, this Garden of Eden is the most beautiful and bountiful paradise man can ever imagine. It is overflow with abundance of beauty and fruit. The garden was just a huge forest of trees and shrubs and vegetation. It meets man's needs for beauty and food. And as we look in chapter 2, verse 15, God makes it clear what one of his purposes for man is. So let's take a look in verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So we see here, the Lord God took Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden. He has been outside of the garden, and God wanted him to be inside the garden. Now, God wanted Adam to experience this paradise that he has provided for him. This is where he is going to resign. And he goes on to explain Adam's responsibility. His role is to work it and keep it. Well, I want to break this down much more in detail as to what this work is all about. I do believe that work is worship. Now, the, the word work means to cultivate to dress, to serve. And, and, and the word keep means to watch over, to guard, to, to look after, to take care of. Now, the object of these two verses uh, is here, refer back to the Garden of Eden. Man is to work by cultivating the ground to look after it. Now, these two words, work, and keep is also used uh, in a human service to God. This broader sense of the words often is connected to religious service deemed to worship. We see this in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. And, and it reads, it says, And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that this I who will send you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship, or this word, work, God on this mountain. We also see in Numbers chapter 3, verse 8, it says, both, now both of these words, work and keep, is used here in this verse uh, and in, in the context is dealing with uh, the tabernacle. They, and it says here in verse uh, 8, it says, they are to take care of, or this is where the word keep that we have, take care of all the furnishing of the tent of meetings. 
fulfilling the obligation of the Israelites by doing the work of the tabernacle. Again, uh, both of these words are used here in this verse. Now, work here can be seen as worship. Adam is to work or cultivate the ground to keep it. However, at a broader understanding of this passage, it can also refer to worship. That work is not only work, but work is worship. Now, remember, our mission is to build God's kingdom here on earth. And as as Christians, we're to serve God with our whole life. And most of us spent uh, at least half of our life at work. We might even spend more time with our co-worker than our family members. One of the best places to build God's kingdom on earth is at the marketplace. And most of those that you work with possibly will never enter a church. I, as pastor, will never, ever be able to reach any of your co-workers. Now, you have that opportunity. Matter of fact, you might be the only Christian there in, the, in your section at work. We often forget to connect faith to work. What if we see work as an opportunity to worship? Unfortunately, instead of work is worship, some of us have worship our work. We have based our identity to our work. How well we do at work determines our self-worth. If we advance in the corporate ladder, then we consider us to be important. And if we don't, then we think we're not worth a whole lot. However, our identity is in the person and not in a position. We can really find worth in Christ and Christ alone. He values us so much that he died on a cross to pay the penalty of our sins. And as we place our trust in him, God forgives us of our sins and to restore our relationship with him. And we become a child of God. And we can only find our identity in Christ. God's given us purpose in life. May we remember that our mission is to build God's kingdom on earth. I like what J.R. Vassar, one of pastors, said. He says, we do work not to establish identity, but to express it. Instead of being sent out to the marketplace as missionaries, many Christians prefer to hang out with other believers. We have our small group meetings, 
we eat with other believers, and we go on outings with our Christian friends. We tend to live in this so-called holy bubble. And we forget that the purpose of the church is to equip saints to do the work of the ministry. And we need to put the Gospels in the hands of the people and turn them loose into the marketplace because work is worship. Worship does not only take place here, but can also take place in our workplace. Too often we as Christians huddle together at church and we like to stay together in the huddle. We huddle for the purpose of executing the play on the field. We are not to stay together in this holy huddle. Too often we tend to divide our lives into the secular space and the holy space. We act one way on Sunday and, and act totally differently in the rest of the week. That ought not to be the case. We are to serve God all week long. Now, in the next two points, it shows that we demonstrate how we demonstrate work as worship. First, first and foremost, um, we must work for God. He is the boss. And secondly, you work out your rest. Now, let's take a, a closer look at the first application here. That is work for God. He is the boss. What's most important about work is answering the question who is our boss? Who do we seek to serve? Are we working to serve our supervisor? Are we working to serve ourselves? Or are we working to serve God? I'd like to, to take a look in Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. If you have that, if you could just uh, turn to that quickly. Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. We'll see what God has to say about work. Beginning in verse 22, it says, Bond servant, obey in everything those who are your earthly master, not by ways of eye service as people pleasure, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. Now, what motivates us to work hard is dependent upon how God fits into our work. We work for God. He is the boss. Paul here reminds workers that they are working for 
God. And not merely working for their Roman masters. Actually, we look a little more carefully. Paul says this four times in these three verses as to who we ought to serve. Now, uh, it does not matter what kind of work we might be in, whether it might be a, 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 a menial job, or it might be a disgusting work, or it might be a glamorous work, or it might be daily work. Uh, all of that, we should consider it as Christ's work. We're doing it to serve our Lord. Not only slaves or employees are to work for God. We see in Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, that masters or the employers are also to work for God. In verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 of Colossians, it says, Master, treat your bondservant justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. May we show the world that who we represent. We are God's representatives here to build God's kingdom on earth. May we realize that work is worship. We work for God. He is our boss. God has given us skills and passions to work. When we do our job with integrity, excellence, and diligence, it is an act of worship. There was a member from our church that was working for a company that was doing some unethical transaction. He felt really uncomfortable about what was going on, and he decided to stand up for what is right. And he confronted his supervisor about the immoral behavior. Well, his comments were totally disregarded. Now, he decided to quit although he did not have another job lined up. He chose to please his heavenly master over pleasing his earthly master. He had the courage to represent God well, even if it costed his job. Shortly after his resignation, the Lord did provide him with a better job. There was another man who is committed to build up God's kingdom on earth at his workplace. He worked hard consistently, giving his very best every day. If his teammate needed some assistance, he was glad to assist them. When there was a heated argument, he's the first one to step up to bring peace between his teammates. He pursued excellence in all that he did, because he sees work as worship. It is common for him to ask, what would Jesus do under these circumstances? When it was time for promotion, he was bypassed. 
the one that was promoted in his team was not a team player. Now, instead of complaining, he congratulated the one that got promoted. And his co-worker um, claimed that he totally got robbed. Although he was disappointed, he believed that God is in control. And because of his good example, one of his teammates approached him, asking him, how, you know, what, how, how, how does he act the way he does? What makes him tick? We gave him an opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ. May we work for God and acknowledge him as our boss. He is the ultimate person that we seek to please and honor. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, and, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Now, another way we can practice uh, our work here our, our, our faith at work is to work out your faith. Now, almost all of us have something in common. We are all busy. Many people are running frantically in a rat race. We say, when we slow down, then we could get some rest. You know what? Somehow things does not slow down. We need to be intentional in setting aside time for us to rest. Just as God rested, we also need to rest. Now, you might remember in the Ten Commandments, God said that we are to keep the Sabbath, which means that we are to cease working to rest. As you remember from Ten Commandments, you know, we're not to kill. We're not to steal. We're not to lie. We're not to covet. And we're to take a nap. Many of us are workaholics. We might work 60 or more hours a week. Now, it is good to enjoy our work, but we're not to make our work our idol. When we overextend ourselves regularly, it's easy for us to get burnt out. Sometimes we do not have a choice in long hours, or it might be a certain season of uh, our work schedule. But many times we do have a choice. And God has made us where we need rest. We need to learn to say no. We need to express to our supervisor, to those that uh, are over us, that we might be overwhelmed. I do believe even here in our sanctuary that there might be some of us that have two or three different responsibilities at work or even here 
at church. It might be wearing you out. We need to understand that we are not indispensable. God can find someone else. And if we take on too many responsibilities, we're actually robbing someone else the opportunity to serve. When we are talking about work and serving God, we need to take the long view. It is imperative that we get adequate rest so that we can serve God well. Many people see the Sabbath as you rest from your work. But in reality, we need to work out of your work, your, your rest. Well, let me explain that. Instead of resting after you work, you rest so that you can work. Well, that's a very different uh, mindset. Well, well how, how can we rest? Well, we remember who God is and what God has done. He's the one that created us as well as he's the one that loves us. He gave us a purpose to partner with him to work. Rest in who God is and what he has done for us and then carry out the work that he has entrusted to us. Take a day off, step back, reflect, praise God so that we can be spiritually refreshed. And also in that Sabbath, rest physically. We might need to sleep a little bit more. Rest emotionally by doing things that uh, you might not normally do. It might be doing some gardening, hanging out with some friends, watching a movie, engaging in your hobby. I often ask people, to, what gives you joy? Whatever it is, do it. Don't wait. May we be refreshed from our Sabbath so that we can go out to work and build up the kingdom of God on earth. May we be intentional to take our Sabbath. We can rest because of Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 18, I mean, verses 28 to 30, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, God's created us with a purpose to work. Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 
10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May we see work in light of our mission to build up the kingdom of God on this work. Work is worship. May we not worship work. For identity is in Christ who gives us rest. When we do our job with integrity, excellence, and diligence, it is an act of worship. May we look forward every Monday going to work with a clear mission of working for God because he is our boss. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Lord, uh, we, we thank you for the work that you have given to us. And Lord, may we recognize that our work is worship. That we recognize that you place us there. And that we are to build your kingdom there as well. Lord, uh, help us to live a life that is honoring to you. Remembering that we work for you. And that you are a boss. And may we learn to also take our rest and our Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen.